Welcome to the Leap Bulimia Podcast with guest Cassie Christopher, registered dietitian. Everyone, I am Laurieann. I am the host of Bleep Bulimia, and today I'm very pleased to have Cassie Christopher with me. Uh, she's a registered dietitian, and she's passionate about helping women love themselves better by healing emotional overeating. So, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, and I want to say too, thank you for this platform. Um, as a registered dietitian, I work with women 45 and up who are struggling with emotional eating, many of them binging or bulimia, you know, as an actual diagnosis. And oftentimes I hear from them and, and I wonder if you can relate. They're so frustrated that at this stage in life, they're still dealing with this. And I think that frustration then leads to isolation and thinking they're the only ones. And so what I love about this podcast is you're showing people that you're not the only one. There's other people struggling with this. There's nothing wrong with you. And those, I, that gets me so excited. So thank you for having me. Thank you for having this podcast. Um, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. And yes, and to talk to that is all that shame that you're talking about and which makes it harder for them to come out because, you know, as a young person, it's almost, you know, in the, your teens and your college years, it's almost like something that's that's accepted and you go out and get help. But then when they say, what, you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're still struggling, so they try and hide. So I'm very pleased that there's people like you out there to help them out. So tell me, how did you get in? What inspired you to become a registered dietitian? Yeah. Oh, that's a fun question. You know, I grew up um, eating, and I think maybe a lot of people can relate to this, uh, you know, we're both working parents, like it was convenience meals, we ate out a lot, a lot of McDonald's, like food wasn't something that was really thought about in terms of what food can do for you. It was more about getting your food intake happening, like <laughs> get it done, eat, move on to the next thing. Um, but at the same time, uh, my family were big emotional eaters. So I have memories of my dad going out to the store in the evening to buy chocolate bars for my mom. And I have two younger sisters and me, my sisters. And it was kind of like, oh, it's been a hard day. Let's all have our chocolate of choice. Um, and so for me, when I was in college, um, actually it's probably late high school, early college, I started to have some digestive issues. I ended up having my gallbladder removed. It was kind of this whole saga. And I met with a dietitian and she said something to me that I will never forget. She said, oh, you have finals coming up. Well, make sure you eat blueberries and walnuts because those are good for your brain. And I remember going, what on earth is this woman talking about? That something I eat could impact my performance or make me feel a certain way, right? Like that was just so foreign. I was very disconnected from food and my body at that point in my life. Um, and so that got me curious and I started to research and look into it and, um, started to get excited about what food can do for us and, and the abundance that it can provide us. Um, while at the same time developing a pretty, uh, intense chocolate habit. <laughs> so when I was stressed, you know, my go-to was food to cope. And so for me, that looked like I ended up getting my master's in nutrition and throughout school, as I'm learning about all of these, you know, amazing things food can do for you and how food can heal and, uh, and how food is so beautiful. I was using chocolate, um, to cope and, and, you know, every day, multiple times a day going and buying a chocolate bar. 
Now, uh, that doesn't do very good things for your health, even when it's, you know, artisanal dark chocolate, because uh, because that the quantities and then other things on top of it to cope. I, I tell a story often of, um, and maybe some of your readers can can uh, un- or your listeners can <laughs> uh, understand this. I remember thinking, okay, it's been such a stressful finals week. I'm gonna go reward myself with a bot with with a one treat from the bakery. You get to the bakery and you think, well, it's as traffic is stressful. You know, I'll get a box. I'll get a box. I, I came all the way here. I'll bring it home. I'll share with all my friends, my husband, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, it, we know, right? The box didn't make it home. And those mental, you know, gymnastics that we do to do the eating and the stress and don't I deserve it? And well, traffic's been really bad and nobody has to know. It's not a big deal. I'll take this pink bakery box and I'll go throw it in the, uh, the garbage bin, you know, the, the community garbage bin rather than the one at home. My husband doesn't even have to know. And, and so that began for me really a, a, a cycle of using food um, to deal, deal, care for my emotions and deal with what was hard in life, uh, that all the things I was learning in school really did not solve. That's interesting. I have to say that my daughter had some, because we went through a really bad divorce and she had some psychological issues. So she took psychology in university, just like you, it's a similar story. And she goes, I learned a lot about psychology. I learned a lot about helping other people, but she says, didn't help me. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And that's exactly true. And so I started out my career then as a registered dietitian, I went through school, took the tests, did the, you know, internship in the hospital, yada, yada, registered dietitian. I'm out in the world, helping people lower their cholesterol, manage their diabetes, whatever, and still struggling. And so for me, it all came to a tipping point when I was a brand new mom um, was using rich crackers and, uh, and Tillamook sharp cheddar cheese, the white kind, like delicious, right. No uh, <laughs> to cope with how hard life was and how sleep deprived I was and how stressed I was. And it ended up being a real problem for me because I was in physical pain, mm. um, and, and realized something's wrong. And so that, that began a journey for me where I'm like, I can't go on like this. You know, I'm not living my best life. I'm in my pajamas all day. Uh, Consequently, at the same time, I lost my job. Like it was just such a stressful time. Um, not, you know, not sleeping because there's a newborn in the house and in pain and like something has to change. So I went on a journey working with naturopaths, therapists, dietitians, even, right? Like you say, like we need our own help. And that's when I realized that what was missing in my life was self-care in four specific areas. And once I started to really implement some of this self-care, I was able to care for my body, my emotions, my mindset, my hormones in ways that meant I didn't need food to care for those things and was able to yeah, get free from any sort of binging from emotional eating. Uh, and now I share that with other women because diet culture, right? Like um, just the, the popular wisdom for, and I wouldn't call it wisdom, but it's tongue in cheek for <laughs> nutrition um, actually makes it worse, which anyone who has bulimia absolutely knows. Um, yeah. So that's my story. 
So what are those four staples that you're talking about? If you don't yeah. mind sharing those with us. Oh, please, please. So the first is hormone balance. And in particular, I like to talk a lot about the stress hormone cortisol. And I know when you and I were talking before we started recording that you can relate to stress being a trigger uh, for eating. And, you know, this is important to understand because I think so often when we're eating, overeating, binging, whatever, um, we feel like it's our fault. We feel like if only we had more discipline, if only we had more control, if only, if only, if only we weren't so whatever, lazy, whatever we say to ourselves, gosh, we're so mean to ourselves sometimes. Right. And no that's, coming, that's coming up in the second pillar. So we'll come back to that, but it's going to be mean to ourselves. Um, but the hormone balance piece is important because when you have this stress hormone imbalance, which anyone with stress in their life does, um, it actually causes eating, it causes intense food cravings. And we kind of don't need researchers to tell us that stress eating is a thing, but there are several good studies that show when your stress hormone cortisol is raised, you're going to eat more food. Similarly, if you are having poor sleep, which is a consequence of stress hormone imbalance, um, there's a research that shows for every hour of sleep that you are deprived, you're going to eat an additional, essentially like a double cheeseburger, what, what equates to, you know, a whole cheeseburger, a double even. Um, so you, you're going through the drive-through and you think there's something wrong with you. Why don't you have any control? And it may just be that you're stressed and you're having trouble sleeping, you know? So I really want to make sure that the listeners understand this, that it is not your fault if you're struggling and by balancing your hormones, gosh, you can feel so much better. Yeah. That overtiredness is a bad one. I mean, I'm, I can, I can accept it better now. I wouldn't say control. So I don't control it. I just, because I acknowledge it and I know it. And that's the big thing about acknowledging it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, yeah, you're hungry, but no, really you're super tired. And, you know, just go take a nap. You'll wake up and you won't be hungry anymore. And quite often it's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I love about these four pillars of self-care is they also take you into checking in with your own body and seeing what's going on. I know so often in binging and bulimia, we get so disconnected mm-hmm. uh, from our bodies and we don't know. I, a lot of women come to me and we work on emotional eating and they're like, Cassie, I'm so frustrated. I don't know how I'm feeling. Like I just shut down before a binge or I, um, I can't tell you what I'm feeling right now. And so then we just work on getting into the body first. Like, what does it feel like in your chest when you take a deep breath, right? Just, you got to start somewhere. And for someone listening, if you're one of these people who's like, I don't know how I'm feeling, it might just be connecting with your physical body first and noticing, you know, the rise of your chest as you breathe in. And that might be kind of the on-ramp to emotional work. What do you think about that? Has that been your, that's, that's actually really interesting. And you're so right because even, uh, post bulimia yeah. in the recovery stage and even post recovery where you're recovered, you know, it, you know, you're not going back, but is to deal still with those emotions. And, and I didn't go to food, but what I did find is that the anxiety was really bad and it was really hard to cope with, uh, and not, and, and again, like you said, and sometimes I didn't know what it was. 
So it was to learn to acknowledge, to take time to, you know, figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, then find a way to calm yourself. And what is it that they say? And I know it's kind of biblical too. I'm having fun. I'm reading the Bible. Just as my, it's on my bucket list to go from beginning to end. How cool. But there is, uh, and I'm not religious. So it's just one of those bucket list things. But it's uh, one of those things that says, you know, when you worry, um, and, and even like if a doctor and you're waiting, so for example, so it's the same thing with stress that you don't know about, and you're waiting for the results and you're worrying and worrying and worrying, you're just worrying twice. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to calm myself for those things, but there's certain times if I don't know what it is, I still to this day have to go back to, you know, like you said, breathing in, you know, if you can't figure out what it is, don't stress yourself over it, try and calm it down. It's not easy yeah. to do that, but it's right. necessary. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, I, I want to get to the second pillar for you and that Please. is self-compassion. And so I remember I said, we're going to come back to being so mean to ourselves because being mean to yourself, um, just starts the cycle, especially for people who identify as emotional eaters, where you're mean to yourself and you create more difficult emotions that then need to be numbed with food so that you don't have to feel them. And it's a cycle. And then you numb with food and then you're mean to yourself. And so it continues on, but you can stop that cycle when you, when you more fully understand what's going on and you can be nice to yourself and say, Oh, wow, I was really stressed. And you can be curious about it rather than judgmental. Um, and then speak to yourself. I mean, there's that advice out there. I didn't make this up. Right. But speak to yourself like you would a friend. It really works. (laughs) It really works because friends aren't going to say these mean things to ourselves. I just have to quickly include that one because uh, being a bulimia recovery coaster is one thing that I have them do. I said to them, I said, you're going to write down all the things that you don't like about yourself. And then the things that you like that I'm going to write down the things that I don't like about myself and the things I like. And then what you're going to do is you're going to read out the things that I wrote and you're going to tell them to me. And one of my clients said, I can't do that. I can't say those things to you. I said, well, that's what you're saying to yourself in that list. Oh, I love that. Right. And, and it gets them. And you're exactly right. It's that if you write it down, give it get somebody else to write down what they don't like about themselves and force yourself to tell them that, well, that's what you're doing to yourself every day. Wow. What an amazing exercise. Can I borrow that? Absolutely. (laughs) I I think it's really worthwhile. And I think it's important because then you realize, wow, I I can't say that to you. I don't think that of you exactly that too. Mm -hmm. What you think of yourself. A lot of people probably don't. Yeah. And that actually leads me really wonderfully to um, my next pillar, weight mastery. And I know that talking about weight, talking about weight loss can be triggering for a lot of people struggling with bulimia. And here's my take on it, which might be helpful for some people. Um, So one important part of weight mastery is uh, having a sustainable lifestyle so that you don't have to worry about your weight or the impact of your actions on your weight while simultaneously working towards self-acceptance so that you don't have to wait to like yourself until you're smaller. That is perfect. So even smaller 
or a little bit larger. As I said to you, I gained probably seven pounds after I, I stopped my bulimia, but I was thin Mm -hmm. and my body was happy there and I'm happy there. And so my body and me are both happy together and I've maintained it for 11 years. Sometimes it is a minor, small weight gain, but it's that maintenance And I love that you're talking about that. And it's not to fear that because I was telling you also before the recording, a lot of bulimics out there, their biggest fear of letting go of the bulimia is that weight gain, Mm -hmm. which is definitely not necessary. I mean, yes, maybe a pound or two or wherever. So your body can adjust if you're underweight, then there's also a lot of bulimia bulimics that are actually at their weight. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's absolutely, you can maintain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, for me is I really encourage people to hold weight at an open with an open hand in the sense that let's nourish your body. Let's get your metabolism fired up. Let's get you living a life that makes you feel good and you love, and you're easily incorporating this self-care. And then let's see what happens with your weight. And just hold it with a little more of an open hand. Um, and, 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 you know, if, if things arise that you're not happy with, that's the beauty of working with a coach, a registered dietitian, right. To get some guidance. Um, and, and yeah, I, I really think that when you're working on self-acceptance too, and understanding why you might struggle with your size, understanding the cultural influences, the family influences, the fact that we live in a world that tells people in larger bodies that they are, you know, lazy or whatever, right? Like there's this, uh, there's a lot of lies there and doing your own work around that and getting help to do that work. I'm sure that's (laughs) part of your coaching as well. Um, doing that work, getting help around that work then allows you to actually hold weight with an open hand and, and, and be more curious about it rather than have anxiety around it. Absolutely. I love that. By the way, I just got goosebumps when you were saying about, you know, the larger people in society, and it literally wants me to tear up about what goes on out there. Uh, you know, people making fun of people, my daughter herself, she was a little overweight when she was younger. And I didn't find out till years later, how badly bullied she was about her weight. And then, of course, I then as a mother feel guilty because I thought, oh, my goodness, I probably should have fed her better and all that stuff. But I was a little bit overweight, too. And I was also bullied. Uh, The thing is, is that you don't want to tell your parents. Mm -hmm. You're embarrassed to tell your parents, tell your parents, tell your parents if you're being bullied. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally, you know, because if you hold it in, that can affect what goes on later on in life. Mm-hmm. And so I really send that out to it. And parents reach out to your kids and really, if they are overweight, ask them, are you being bullied? Ask them because they won't tell you. And I love this. And I think that for each of us in our own lives, when we start to do this work around our culture and what our culture says about bodies, there is grief. And I just want to acknowledge that, that there is some sitting with grief that individually and as a culture, we really need to do because we're hurting people mm-hmm. with this. Um, so I totally validate those tears and, and I've cried them myself that there is some real grief around this topic <clears throat> and expressing that grief <laughs> and letting it out um, is, is a, a healthier way to manage it then turning to food to numb it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, don't, and it's not something to be ashamed of. In fact, it's something that is very important for self-care to be open to it. And I think that that's not just kids. I think it's any age, like because yes. adults bully adults too, yes. which yes. is horrifying. 
And this actually leads me to the fourth pillar, which I'll share briefly because I know we have to wrap up and that is community support. Um, you know, I think you and I talked about earlier how uh, dealing with, especially bulimia in midlife, when it is less culturally acceptable to be struggling, uh, is shaming, it's isolating, you feel like you're the only one. This podcast is proof that you're not, thankfully. So you're getting that community support here already. Um, but being in a community of like-minded people who, uh, who understand what you're going through, who um, can validate what you're feeling and share their experience, that is really important for healing this journey. Um, and that might look like getting support from, you know, Lorianne as a, a, a bulimia coach, um, working with me or other providers, uh, but getting support <clears throat> both from other women and an expert is going to make sure that you get the results that you want, which is ultimately a happy, confident life where you know you're not harming yourself with your actions. And you're absolutely right. And and it doesn't even stop at that. It could be with the coach. And I don't know anything. Well, I know about nutrition, but I'm not an expert on it. Mm -hmm. So I refuse. If somebody asks me, well, what about this? I have a little bit of knowledge there. Well, probably more than most people, because having gone through bulimia, yes. I did study yeah. it a lot, but I am not a registered nutritionist. So I do not want to give my advice on something I may go wrong on. And then, you know, lawsuits come down it's like, so that I would refer. So it's not always necessarily just one, you know, yeah. uh, person that you need in that recovery aspect of it. And, uh, and thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that you're talking to the fact about the shaming and stuff that, you know, come out. The other thing I just wanted to really touch upon, um, a lot of people in, in groups that are about bulimia or eating disorders, they focus primarily on, oh, this is happening. Um, is there a solution for it? I mean, you know, I don't want to divulge because those are things that are put in there privately, but those are not the questions to ask the group. Those are the questions to ask your therapist or your doctor and to come out. And then the other thing too, is, is when they're, you know, talking about food and if this food good is that again, that's something to go to a nutritionist. I would really hope, and I'm truly trying to advocate on people who are in those groups to speak their emotions. That's going to have a much better impact on you to say, Hey, you know what? I got really angry at this person. I binged because of it. And then I purged. How can, you know, can, has anyone done that? Then you feel like, yes, that's been done. Are there any recommendations for someone to help me through it? I but, love and, and to speak it out because writing the emotions is very good, but writing about what food you ate or yep. what ailment you've got is not right. going to be and an ailment. Go to a doctor. Like seriously, that yes. group is not there to speak to your ailments. I mean, I know me personally, because of my bulimia and, uh, you know, there were consequences, you know, other than my teeth that I had to get, you know, fixed. Um, the other thing too, was my esophagitis. I have esophagitis now, and it doesn't happen as often. Uh, it started after my daughter's birth. And, uh, but when it does, it's painful. And that my doctor said to me was most likely that was, you know, a consequence of you being bulimic. That's fine. But I went to my doctor. That's mm -hmm. who's going to tell me what to do. How can I deal with it? And so on and so forth. So that's, I just wanted to set that out there because yes. I really love these groups, like you said, and the support, but use them wisely. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I want to, um, 
recap what you said because I think it's so helpful. So what you're saying, Lorianne, is how to take advantage of community support groups that you might be a part of. It's not to ask questions about that, that are better directed towards a doctor or a dietitian or a, a piece of a person on your medical team. It's to share your emotional experience, your physical experience, and find out that you aren't alone. So it's to undo the shame, undo the isolation. Um, that is, that's, that's everyone who just got that. That's like, $500 advice, right? That Lorianne just gave you for free. That's amazing. So I wanted to underscore that. And one other thing, if people with bulimia are looking for a registered dietitian, just to ask a question to an appointment or two, um, you want to look for someone who specializes in eating disorders. Yes. So, and you can find that usually by Googling your town eating disorder dietitian, and, and you can usually find someone, you know, through insurance, whatever. But, um, if you have a, an eating disorder, you always want to go to a dietitian who has knowledge of that. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. And I agree with that 1000%. I also agree with that in regards to, I know a lot of people say hundred percent. I don't say a thousand percent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing too, is same thing with, with coaches, therapists, it is much easier. Yes. They understand and, and they've even had, if they've had some experience, because then they can totally relate to what you're doing. Now, I know that you were talking about, you've got, I believe, a program that you offer. Yeah. Uh, please tell us about it, where our, our listeners can find you. Cassie, this has been wonderful. So uh, yeah, thank tell. you. Thank you. So um, if anyone is interested in hearing more about what I have to say, especially if you're curious about the hormone piece, you can actually go to CassieChristopher.net forward slash free. And that's C-A-S-S-I-E. Christopher spelled like the boy's name, free. And you're going to get my free guide to help hormone balance. So we talked about that stress hormone cortisol, um, what you can do to help yourself get that hormone balance so that you're not feeling out of control. And this is specifically around um, after dinner. So if you're someone who after dinner, you start to feel um, really, yeah, like things aren't going well and you need food. This is a great, great guide for you. And if it's any other time of the day, I still recommend you download it. Um, but I know after dinner is a big time for many of us. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and in fact, just quick to that before we go, uh, my biggest problem was other than a little period of my time where it was really bad, my bulimia, but most of it I could get through the day. And it was that night that I had my struggles. And mm -hmm. so I was like a, a daytime normal person and an evening bulimic for the longest time, which was, uh, pretty interesting. And I believe that there are quite a few people out there that are the same as what I was going through. So thanks again, Cassie. This is absolutely wonderful. We will have uh, in the notes, the link to uh, reach out to Cassie. And uh, like I said, if you do, please, our listeners, if you have any questions, uh, you know, get out there. And Cassie is a registered dietitian. So she's the one that you want to reach out to. Yeah. Thanks thank again. you for having me. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.